podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Two Footed Podcast, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. If you go to LibertyShield.com right now and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, you'll get 25% off at checkout, either the had- hardware or software packages. Liberty Shield VPN will allow you to watch things you geoblock from. So, for example, an Irish expat wanting to watch the All Ireland football final this weekend could use a Liberty Shield VPN. Keep your data safe. Get to watch what you want to watch. Same thing goes for UK expats wanting BBC iPlayer, etc., etc. LibertyShield.com EPL twenty five at the checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. Um, No exuberant intro today. I'm not feeling very well. Um, So just to keep you in the loop i i'm testing negative at the minute but there is a fair chance i have covid if i do i'll be trying to continue to podcast but if i'm missing a day that's why um so yeah there you go right um it's thursday so we're just gonna do a normal thursday of listeners questions but before we get to that i upset a few arsenal fans yesterday which is you know something i enjoy doing because they cry a lot uh, by pointing out that in the last five years, Arsenal have spent around 550 million with sales of around 110 million. So your net spend there is about 440 million. About 340 of the 550 has been spent under Mikel Arteta. And I said that there surely has to be massive pressure on him now. Surely he has to get top four as a minimum. And Arsenal fans pushed back and they started cribbing and telling me like, oh, why is it only an issue when Arsenal start to spend? We've only started to spend in the last couple of years. Well, that's factually incorrect. So we're going to go back in time. We're going to go back to the summer of 2014. They signed Alexis Sanchez for 30 million. Uh, Matteo Debushi for 12 David Ospina for four, Callum Chambers for 11, Danny Welbeck for 16. And then in the January, Christian Beliak for 2.4 and Gabriel Polista for 11, 11 and a half, say. Um, so 14, 30, 41, 45, 
75, it's 87 million of a spend in 2014. Uh, and not a whole lot leaving. Thomas Vermeilen, he left for 12, um, or well, sorry, 15 allegedly, but it was done as an undisclosed deal. Um, there were rights sold, uh, a sell on clause on Sesc Fabregas, Sesc Fabregas and then Carlos Vela. So they brought in some in the region of about 35 million. So you're still talking the net spend of 50 million, which in 2014 was still a considerable amount. Uh, moving on then to the summer of 2015, this is the one summer they didn't spend a ton of money. They spent uh, 3 million on Jeff Rene Adelaide, 10 million on Petr Cech, and then in the summer they spent... 7 million on Mohamed Al Neni, seven and a half million actually. Uh, they also spent about 200 grand bringing in Ishmael Benasser, a player they'd be much better off if they had now. So, all told, you're talking about uh, a 20 million pound spend in that summer because no one of note leaves the club, uh, mostly players being released. On to 2016 then. And this is where they start to get quite excited and start to throw money around. Granite Xhaka, 30 million. You might as well have lit that on fire. Takumi Osano, 1 million. Rob Holding, 2 million. Kalechi Nikwali, 3 million. I uh, don't think he ever played for Arsenal. Uh, Lucas Perez, 17 million. And Schroden Mustafi, 35 million. So that's 88 million spent that year uh, against the sales of Serge Gnabry for 5 million and Isaac Hayden for 2.5. So they spent 80 million as a net spend that year, but 88 is the, uh, the total figure. Moving on, 2017, this is the final year of Arsene Wenger. They bring in Alex Lacazette for 46.5, Costas Mavroponis for 1.5, and then in the January, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for 56 million. So over 104 million in spend. Um, but they did obviously have some sales. They did the Mkhitaryan for Sanchez swap. They sold Ali Giroud, sold Oxlade-Chamberlain, sold Walcott, sold Cocaine, sold Gibbs. Still, a fairly considerable um, net spend that year. Um, or Sorry, very considerable spend that year. Moving into 2018, the post-Wenger era, which is what I was originally talking about. So, 2018, Bernd Leno, 22.5 million. Socrates Papas Dadopoulos for 14.5. Lucas Torreira, 27. Matteo Guendouzi for 8. The only player they... Players they sold worth no. Jeff Rene Adelaide for 1.4 million. Joel Campbell went for peanuts. Lucas Perez went for peanuts as well. Uh, all told, 
we're looking at a large net spend here again of 75 million. Into 2019, Martinelli for 6 million, William Saliba for 27 million, Kieran Tierney for 25 million, David Luiz for 8 million, and Nicolas Pepe for 72 million. 72 million on Nicolas Pepe. It's 138 million pounds that they spent that year. 138 million pounds. That is outrageous. Uh, they do, did bring in a decent fee for Alex Awobi, about 28 million. Um, they got, I think, 6 million for Christian Beliak. Uh, Kishelny brought in about four. Jenkinson, Thompson, they brought in about another five between them, but you're still looking at an enormous net spend considering this is a team outside of the top four. At 2020, Pablo Mari, 7.2. Gabriel, 24. Alex Runner, Runnerson, sorry, Runner Alex Runnerson, uh, 2. It's not a huge spend, but it is still sizable enough you're still oh sorry and thomas Partey for 45 million excuse me so you're still looking at over 75 million 75 million spent then last summer 2021 arsenal had the highest spend in europe they bring in nuno Tavares for seven and a half albert sambi laconga for 16 Ben White for 50, Mark Nodegaard for 30, uh, Aaron Ramsdale for 24, and Tommy Asu for 16. Then they signed Austin Trusty, I think for about 2 million in the January. But again, you're looking at 23, 53, sorry, 73, 103, 127. 143, about 145 million spent last year. And then this year, they're again the highest spenders in Europe once this Sinchenko deal is confirmed. Now, it's obviously early in the window and that might change, but Fabio Vieira for 30 million, Marquinhos for three, uh, Matt Turner, I think it's seven, and Gabriel Jesus is. 45, Zinchenko is another 30. So you're looking at 105, 115 million so far in this window. So, you know, you go up and down. There's one season, 2015, where they haven't spent over 75 million. And again, it's not like there's been massive sales, especially over the last few years. Even look at this summer's outgoings. When Dozy, they get poor value. Maverponos, poor value. And they get nothing for Lacazette. And Omari Hutchinson is leaving to go to Chelsea on a compensation deal. So you'll get a couple of hundred grand and that'll be about it. Uh, last year, Mark McGuinness, they got, I think, 
800 grand for him from Cardiff. David Louise left on a free. Luke Plange, very, very highly regarded, went to Derby. He's now at Crystal Palace. Uh, ben Sheaf, the young player, he made his way for minimal fee. Joe Willock went for 25 million. And that's basically it. Willian, free transfer. Uh, Ilyev, contract terminated. Kalasnik and Chambers, free transfers. Aubameyang, contract terminated. Like, they've sold really badly. And they've spent a lot. So I think there has to now be pressure on this regime, on Edu on, on, and on Arteta to get it right. If you don't get top four this year, where are you going? Like, someone said to me yesterday, it's about the process. And I asked him what that meant. And he said, well, we're building something. And I asked him, well, what are you building? And he couldn't really give me an answer. Because what they're building is basically a B-Tech version of Man City. Everything you read about Arsenal's tactical setup, about the plans for the season, is linked to Man City. And they've spent £75 million bringing in two City squad players. Now, again, they're both fine players, but if we look at their summer business, um, we look at it properly. Like, How much have they actually improved? Now, I really like Fabio Vieira as a player, but he doesn't start for them. So that's 30 million on a squad player. Marquinhos is 3 million on a squad player. Turner is 7 million on a squad player. Gabriel Jesus, 45 million to be your number nine. Good player, but there's no track record of him being a successful number nine. And you were looking at completely different profiles of number nines before you moved on to him. So I don't really see the logic in it. That's, in my view, quite a big gamble. I think he'd be really good in a two, but not as a nine. And he's spoken himself. He doesn't really enjoy playing as a nine. So we'll wait and see how that works. There's no guarantees. Arsenal fans are very excited because he's doing well in preseason. But preseason means absolutely nothing. And then Zinchenko. So as I've said earlier this week, I, I like the signing for coming to play in midfield, but it's still a gamble because there's no real track record of him displaying a high level as a midfielder in the Premier League. And as a fullback, when he's not as good as Kieran Tierney. Now, some Arsenal fans have said, oh, we're, we're going to sign a midfielder next. Okay, so is Zinchenko going to be cover in midfield and at fullback? Does that mean then that of your substantial outlay of 115 million, you've spent 70 of it on squad players in Vieira, Zinchenko, Marquinhos and Turner. If you spend 70 million on squad players, when let's not pretend your first 11 was some magnificent creation. I think Arsenal have to get top four this year, or I think Arteta needs to go because he doesn't seem to have an original thought in his head. It's very much a B-Tech city. And even when you look at, you know, positional maps of, of where uh, Arsenal players occupy compared to where City players occupy, it's carbon copy. If you look at the passing patterns, if you look at how they build up, it's carbon copy. There's very little of it that's original. 
That's why I don't think he's a good coach. I think Arsenal are going to need to take a long, hard look at this fella if they're not top four this year. And I don't think they get top four this year. Last year, they had the perfect storm, perfect storm to get top four. You had a really bad United team. You had Chelsea in chaos. You had Spurs, that bizarre first half of the season where Kane wasn't trying, where they had Nuno, they sacked him, they bring in Conte, they can't find any kind of consistency. You had Leicester ravaged by injuries. And then you had West Ham, whose squad was simply too small to deal with Premier League and Europa League. So they focused on the Europa League and their league form fell off a cliff in the second half of the season. Arsenal had it handed to them. They had no European football, unlike all the others. It was just gifted to them. And think of it, West Ham, Leicester, Chelsea, all went to the knockout stages. So did United, to be fair, but they went out in the first knockout stage. Tottenham went late in the competition. They all went late in European competitions. No, Tottenham didn't, excuse me. They got basically thrown out because they couldn't feel the team. But Tottenham were the only one. And Tottenham beat you to fourth, despite all the carnage that were done there last year. This year, Arsenal have to deal with playing in the Europa League and going Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. And that's really difficult. Far better teams than Arsenal, far better managers than Mikel Arteta have found themselves struggling with that schedule. And there's just there's still too many holes in the squad. Like if they get Sinchenko, even if he is a squad player, it, I get it. I can understand it, but you're still spending 70 million on players who aren't starters when your first team needs work. So you're going to buy Zinchenko and let's say you buy another midfielder. Well, that could be another 30 million for, because you did, they did need two in midfield. They need the starter and a depth player. Um, Zinchenko can be the backup left back, so that takes care of that. But where's the backup right back? And where's the backup left-sided centre-back? Where are these players? So you get your starting midfielder in, 145 million. Backup right backs in the 10. Backup left-side centre-back could be another 15 to 20. All of a sudden, we're talking about Arsenal having spent 165, 170 million. And is it going to be a good enough team to get top four? I don't believe it is. The question then is, have Arsenal built a top four team? And I don't think they have. Liverpool and City live on their own level, away from everybody else. I think Tottenham and Chelsea, they're better teams than Arsenal. I think there's the chasing pack, Arsenal, United, West Ham and Leicester. So how many of the Arsenal team would get into a combined 11 of those four clubs? Well, if I was to rank the goalkeepers, I would say De Gea is one, Ariola is two, Ramsdale is three, and Casper is four. So De Gea would be the goalkeeper. Right backs got... Ricardo Pereira for Leicester. You've got Sufal, and you've got whoever is playing there for United. 
I think Tomiyasu is probably the second best. I think Ricardo Pereira is the best. Right side centre back. You've got Kurt Zuma for West Ham. You've got Rafa Varane for United. You've got, um, say, Wesley Fafana for Leicester. And you've got Ben White. Ben White's clearly the fourth of them. The other three are all better than him. Uh, I would go Fafana as the starter in that regard. And like I said, Ben White fourth. Left side centre-backs. I think there's a case for Gabriel here, but is he better than Agard? Now, I'm not sure he is. He's better than, say, Sionchu at this point, because Sionchu has fallen off a cliff. He's better than Lissandro Martinez. I'll go Gabriel. I'll go Gabriel as as the left-sided centre-back, and I'll go Kieran Tierney as the left-back, because I think he's better than Shaw, he's better than James Justin, and he's definitely better than Cresswell. Now, we're going to play a double pivot in midfield. We're going to do this as a 4-2-3-1. So the first Arsenal midfielder is Thomas Partey. Right. Is he better than Thomas Suchek? Yeah. Is he better than Wilf and Didi? No. Is he better than Yves Basuma? I'd say it's about even, but I'd probably take Basuma personally. But Ndidi is the starter here. Then the other midfield role, well, Arsenal, let's say it's Sinchenko. Is he better than Tielemans? No. Is he better than Rice? Definitely not. And is he better than Bentoncourt? No. Declan Rice would be the starter here. Right wing. Leicester's last season was Luckman. They haven't kept him. They may, but for now he's gone back. At the moment, I'm just going to pencil in Dewsbury Hall as their sort of player in that position. But, you know, Jared Bone is obviously an option. United have Sancho. Arsenal have Saka. And I would say Saka is the best player there. Now the number 10s. West Ham have Ben Rama. Tottenham, let's just say No, not Tottenham. What am I talking about? Why did I mention Basuma earlier on when I was meaning to talk about uh, Fred? Um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the answer was that Ndidi is the best in that role. Um, Partey would be second as the defensive midfielder. Uh, Xhaka would be fourth of four. Saka would be first of, of four. Uh, first of four. Odegaard... Madison is better than him. Bruno is better than him. And Bruno is the pick here. And Ben Rama would be fourth. Left wing, West Ham have Fornals. I think he's a better player than Martinelli now. Um, Leicester have Harvey Barnes. He's a better player than Martinelli now. And United have Sancho or Rashford, depending on who's playing there. I think the, the pick is I think it's Harvey Barnes personally um, and then
Up front, they've got Gabriel Jesus. United of Cristiano, I wouldn't want either of them. West Ham have Antonio. Leicester have Vardy. Vardy's probably still the one you'd take. Um, they also have Daka and Iheanacho. So in terms of the group, they've probably got the best. But West Ham probably end this window with the best striker if they get Schamacher. Um, So for now, I'll just put Vardy into that spot there. So if we look at a combined 11, I have three Arsenal players into that team. I have two United players. I have four Leicester players. So why am I to think that Leicester wouldn't finish above Arsenal when they've got no European football? West Ham aren't done. This will improve from a West Ham point of view as they get going. And of the three Arsenal players that I've put in, one of them is injury prone in Kieran Tierney. So he might not be there for a large chunk of the season. And I think an Arsenal are fourth in a number of those positions. So I don't think they've built a top four team. I don't even think they've really built a particularly dead-on Europa League team. I think they could be competing for the Conference League. I think they could end up seventh or eighth next season. And if that happens, he has to go. I'm going to take a break. Uh, When I come back, I am going to go through the listeners' questions and then we'll be done. We'll do the gossip as well, of course. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So we have our listeners' questions. Let's go with this one first from Nick Turner. Um, after today's discussions on centre back heights, name your best 11 monsters. I'm talking six foot four plus in every position. You can play whatever formation you want to fit. Not going to limit it to the Prem, so include the rest of the world. Right. Um, this is going to be difficult because there's not many six foot four wingers out there. We're going to start with six four is tough. He said I could do six two if six four is a struggle. Can I do six three? Can I meet you in the middle? Because that gives me Rude Hullet and it gives me Frank Reichardt, two players that I really want to have in this team. I'm just going to take them. Nick's not here to disagree with me. So I'm going to take them. I'm going to do six foot three and over. Uh, so that's my starting point in midfield is Hullet, Reichard, uh, Van Dyke will definitely be there. Marcus Babel. I think he was six foot three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Marcus Babel is my right back. Um, Centre backs. 
I'm inclined to go with Jurgen Koller. He's only 6'1". I thought he was taller than that. Um, Alessandro Nesta, he's got to have been 6'3". And that gives me 6'2". Oh, Jesus, what? Um, let's come back to that. Left back. That's not going to be easy. Um I'm not going to pick Dan. I'm not picking Dan Byrne. I'm just not picking Dan Byrne. Um, let me think. I could play Bastoni there. He can play left back and he's got to be 6'4", six, 6'3". Six, Bastoni will fill in as my left back and carry the ball really well. I still need a centre back. Fernando Hierro, 6-2. Um, I mean, I don't really want to pick Sammy Hippie, so I've already got two Liverpool players in my back line. Um, it's not Dan Byrne. It'll never be Dan Byrne. Um, Let's see. Yapstam. We'll go with Yapstam. Yap has to have been 6-3 or 6-4. He's enormous. 6-3. We'll go Yapstam. So I've got Babel, I've got Stam, I've got Van Dyke and Bastoni as my back four. Nobody's ever scoring on me. Um, in midfield, I've got Hullet and Reichardt. Now, the question is... Who else do I go with? I'm going to pick Sergei Malinkovic-Savage, obviously, because, I mean, how would you not pick him? Um, all six foot four, six foot five of them. Zlatan has to be up front. There's no doubt there. I don't think he was 6'3". 6'2". Vieira in midfield is the third one. That's a shout and a half. So nobody's scoring on my defence and I'm going to play a box midfield of Reichardt and Vieira with Hullet and Sergei Milinkovic-Savage as the attackers and then Zlatan up front with Dan Byrne. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is no circumstance under which Dan Byrne would be getting in any team ever that I would pick because he is just, well, he's, I mean, he's fine, but no. I'm going to go Erling Haaland. He's got, Haaland's got to be 6'3", surely. 
six five. Magnificent. And then the goalkeeper. Um I mean Gigi Buffon is the obvious choice because he's the best keeper I've ever seen. So I'll go Buffon and goal, Marcus Babel, Yapstam, Van Dyke, Bastoni, Rijkaard and Vieira, Hullet and Milinkovic Savage, Zlatan and Haaland. Not a whole lot of guile, admittedly, in this team. Uh, though Sergei is obviously a very creative player, and so is Rijkaard, or sorry, so is Hullet rather. Um, but we'll find ways to get service to these big fellas. Um, otherwise, we'll just bully teams. So there's my, there's my eleven. So that's that one. Um, let's see. This one is from Gum Gum Pistol. Name a few examples where brilliant moments in games were other overshadowed by other moments in games. E.g. 1986 World Cup, John Barnes skill and cross to Lineker, but Maradona greatness overshadowed it. 2006 Italy win the World Cup, but the Dan moment overshadowed it. Um, well, I think you look at 98. I think the bet the the Michael Owen goal is overshadowed because of the Beckham incident. Um, that'd certainly be one. I think if you go back in the Premier League. Liverpool played Blackburn on the last day of the season and Redknapp scored an absolute worldie. But Fowler scored an even better goal and it was sort of overlooked. Um, Luis Suarez, no, sorry, Daniel Sturridge scored one of the best goals I've ever seen against West Brom, but Suarez scored a hat-trick, including a header from the edge of the box and overshadowed it. Now, Suarez, Suarez overshadowed most things. Um such was the aura of him, but yeah, those would be a couple of couple of examples. I think you could also um, you could go back to I mean, City's first title win, obviously everybody remembers the Aguero goal, but this might not be a moment of brilliant, but like Joey Barton getting sent off, I just think it's hilarious. And it was sort of forgotten about because City went on to win the league. And then there was the Phil Jones face incident up at Sunderland uh, at the same time when they discovered that City had in fact won the league. There's a bunch of Arsenal ones as well from like the early 2000s where like Perez might score a worldie and then Henri would do something outrageous or Burkamp would do something brilliant. But then again, Henri would just do something that would make you just sit back and go like that's not normal Suarez does the same Messi does the same there's a bunch of great Andreas and Iniesta moments that are overshadowed overshadowed because Messi did something better in the same game um the same thing goes for you know Maradona there's moments where it's a there's a game for Napoli where Careca scores a hat-trick but Maradona beats like six people on one dribble and lays and sets up another goal for somebody, and that sort of overshadows Kareka's moment. Um, I do really like the uh, the John Barnes shout. Though. I think that's a great one. Um, right, Adam Hanlon. 
Barca have a pretty large squad right now and a squad full of exceptional talent. What do you think their best 11 will be for the coming season? Do you think they can win the title? Let us get to FC Barcelona. I think somebody actually asked. Yeah, so Mikhail Campbell also asked, could Rafinha play as a right-sided eight in a 4-3-3 with Dembele as the right winger for Barcelona? Um, so we'll tie that into this for Adam. Let's have a look. Current squad. The goalkeeper will be Ter Stegen. And you go back three years ago, he's one of the three or four best goalkeepers in the world, but he has massively fallen off. And unless he has a pretty serious bounce back season, uh, I don't think they can win the league if he's playing as poorly as did the last two seasons. I don't like the right back options. I'm not a huge Sergio Dest fan. And I've never, I've never really liked Sergio Roberto as a right back. I think he's fine as a midfielder, decent, but not a particularly great player. Uh, I'm always surprised he's managed to last at Barca this long. So that's a hole for them at right back. I love Arejo. I think Mengisa's decent. I wouldn't be a big fan of Eric Garcia. I really like Christensen. Um, and obviously PK is still knocking around. If Arejo and Christensen's the pairing, that's not bad, but I still think it needs upgrading. As I said the other day, I think Christensen's a perfect third centre-back, not necessarily a starter. Um, so if they do land... Um, Jules Kunde, which they're trying to do, and he seems very keen on it, then that can work for them. In midfield, a left-back is likely to be Jordi Alba, and again, I wouldn't be a huge fan. I think he's well past his best at 33, and I don't see them having anybody to really spell him all that well. So I think the defence will let them down. Um, in midfield, they've brought in Frank Kessie. Frankie's still there. Busquets is still there. You've got Pedri. You've got Gavi. You've got Nico Gonzalez, who I do like. I think it has to be Pedri, Gavi, plus one. I just don't know who that third one is. Busquets is past his best. Can't play every game. So I'm not really sure how you make that midfield work. I suppose you could you could go De Jong and Pedri and have Gavi rotating with Pedri um, and maybe play Frank Kessie as the six. So it's not an ideal role for him. Play De Jong as the six. Again, it's not perfect. Play Kessie as an eight and have him be a bit more aggressive higher up the field. Uh, I would go Rafinha right wing, Usman left wing. And I would probably go with Memphis as my false nine. Just while Ferran Torres is still developing, I'd have Aubameyang coming off the bench. I think it's a good team. You've got Ansu Fati to come back, obviously, as well, and he'll be a, a big, big part for them. I, I don't think they can win the league, is the honest answer. I know they had a really good run last season, but, and, and look, the, the players they brought in this summer, oh, I've... I've what am I saying? They've got Lewandowski up front, so it's not going to be Memphis. It's going to be Lewandowski. Um, so Rafinha, Lewandowski, Dembele, I mean, that's going to be very, very potent. 
if they can find the midfield balance, that'll be huge. But that defence, I think, will let them down. Wouldn't be keen on either fullback. They're trying to bring in Aspi Laqueta and um, what's his face? Make a Marcus Alonso. Like that doesn't fix your fullback problems at all. Um, but Kunde would be a huge upgrade. And you could go with Kunde at right back, Christensen and Arejo in centre back. That would be good. Um, not for every game, but for a lot of games. But the biggest question mark is over Testagen. So no, I don't think they can win the league. Um, who do you think will be five players to watch in the coming Premier League season who might fly under the radar, but will have a really good season? Generally, the types of players that fly under the radar are centre-backs and holding midfielders because players that get goals and assists and especially at the minute with everybody so hyper aware of the importance of fullbacks in the modern game, those players tend to get, you know, even overhyped for what they do. So I'd say defensive midfielders and fullbacks, especially attacking fullbacks, but one player I think will have a really good bounce back season after a torn ACL is James Justin. And I don't think he'll get a fraction of the credit he deserves. Like he won't get hyped the way, say, Tariq Lamptey gets hyped, even though he's a vastly significant, uh, vastly superior player. Um, I think Czech Dukure is one to really watch at Palace. I think he's going to be excellent. Nathan Collins at Wolves. Keep an eye on him. Mark Guehi. I think he could be outstanding this season. I really think he could nail down a starting spot in the England squad if it was picked up on merit. He was so good last season. And I think he'll he'll continue to improve and prove Chelsea wrong. Uh, that's four. And a fifth one. That's not a bad shout as Morgan Gibbs White. It depends on where he goes, though. It does depend on where he goes. If he goes to like Forest. I think he could do great, but he'll probably put up some gaudy numbers there. But Morgan Gibbs White is a nice shout. We'll go with him as the fifth one. Um, I know you're a Dwight McNeil fan, given he's been heavily linked to Palace and West Ham. Who do you think he'd suit best? Uh, Everton. Stick him left wing with Calvert-Lewin up front. I think he could even play as a wing back with Calvert-Lewin up front. I think he'd get a ton of assists. He's a great crosser of the ball, good ball carrier, good passer. Clever player, works really hard. I actually think he'd be perfect for Everton. Um, and while they're wasting their time trying to sign players that Frank Lampard knows, I think they're missing out on a potential bargain there because rumours are he's available for about 15 million. Um, let's see what we have on the Discord. We might be through everything. It might be a nice quick day uh, of questions. Let's have a gander. Okay, uh, right, uh, Germanimal, I have a question about the spoofer. I don't follow him and have been telling people I know that he's a spoofer. I've even mentioned the fabricated video interview that got him started, but I can't find any supporting evidence. Uh, it's on his Facebook. It may, he may have removed it from his Facebook, but if you want to get in touch, um, let's see, who's the best person? 
Who's the best outlet? Uh, well, Inter Milan, you could actually, I'm sure, contact the club directly. But any of the lads who work for Sempre Inter, is that what it's called, Sempre Inter? Yeah, SempreInter.com, they'll tell you. Any of them will tell you. Um, he is a shameless spoofer. He made up that interview completely fictional. And um, I mean, I'm sure if you ask uh, Nima Rodzari, he'd probably tell you as well because he has no time or tolerance for uh, for the spoofer. Um, AMK2889, where does Guti rate with Rails other midfielders, Spain's midfielders, other midfielders of the generation? I think he's hugely overrated. I think he's enormously overrated. I have to say, I think he was a good player, a good passer, but never a great player, never even close to a great player. So for me, Guti wouldn't be one that I want any part of. Uh, Isaac Gilding, which signings that other teams have made this year would you have taken Liverpool? And which other teams could have done with some of the signings Liverpool have made? So if we start with the Liverpool signings, um, well, I think, United and Arsenal could have done with Darwin. Um, Fulham could have done with keeping Carvalho. Um, let's see then. Uh, Villa could have done with Ramsey. I think Brighton could have done with Ramsey. Chelsea could have done with Ramsey. Everton need a starter. He's not just there yet. Um, let's see. Man City. Ramsey would have worked there. United need a starter again. He's not ready. Uh, he could have started for Norwich as in the championship. Could have started for Watford. I think Wolves could have done with Carvalho. Bournemouth could have done with Carvalho. Fulham, like I said, could have done with keeping Carvalho. And with Nunes, I mean, take your pick. Um, Wolves, West Ham, United, Arsenal, Southampton if they had the money, Newcastle. Leeds if they had the money. Um you know, everybody could have done with a player like him. He's that good. Brighton, obviously, if they had the money, they tried desperately to get him. And Villa, who do have the money, but they couldn't track the player like that. Uh, in terms of players signing for other clubs that I would have taken, uh, Liverpool, well, if we start with Arsenal, uh, I, I do like Fabio Vieira, and I probably would have taken him because um, I think he would have made more sense for Liverpool than he does for Arsenal. Uh, Aston Villa, Bubakar Kamara as a backup to Fabinho. None of the rest of them, neither of Bournemouth's. Uh, I would have taken Aaron Hickey from Brentford. Don't know enough about the Brighton signings, to be honest. Um, I'd have taken Raheem Sterling, without a doubt. I'd have taken Czech Dukure and Malcolm Abui from Palace. Uh, no interest there. I wouldn't have been against signing like Sinistera 
or Rasmus Christensen if we hadn't bought uh, Ramsey. Leicester didn't sign anybody. United signings uh, can stay in the bin. Uh, I'd have taken Calvin Phillips. He'd obviously take Erling Haaland, although we don't need him because we do have Darwin. Um, oh, I'd have taken Christian Eriksen, to be fair. I would have taken Christian Eriksen. Um, Newcastle, I mean, we don't need Sven Botman, but I'd take Sven Botman. Forrest, no. No, there's just no reason. that None of them improve us. Um, Southampton, I, I, I would, Gavin Basuno is better than um, Cuevin Kelleher. Um, but yeah, that's a bit of it from there. Spurs. I mean, uh, Basuma, I'd have taken Basuma. West Ham, no. Wolves, no. Yeah, so there's quite a few there that I would that I would definitely have uh, have taken. Um, the Langstar, how do you rank Carney Chukwemeka up against Harvey and Fabio? Um, as a prospect, I would have him ahead of both. I think he's just got more physical tools than them. They've got an incredibly high technical level, but so does he. And then you see him at the physical profile, like, you go back two years, there wasn't a whole lot. Before Jude made his breakthrough at, at Birmingham, there wasn't a whole lot between Jude and Kearney. And there were plenty that argued that Kearney was the more talented player. Um, I, I think Kearney is going to be, if he makes the right move and he gets the right advice, I think he can be a massive, a massive player. Uh, Chris Colby, question for the pod. One of my daughters turned six later this week. Looking back to one of the 2016 top young players list. Okay. Um, we don't have the list though. Okay. Let's see. Right. You know what we'll just do? We'll pull FIFA's for FIFA 2016, the wonder kid list. The goalkeeper is Kepa obviously hasn't lived up to anywhere close to that level. Uh, Jose Gaia, I do like. I think he's done very well for Valencia, but it's definitely time for him to move on. He can do much better. Nicholas Sula, I don't think has lived up to his potential. They did have the ACL tear. I think that's his second ACL tear. Um, I'll be interested to see how he does at Dortmund, but I, I wouldn't be hugely keen on him. Rugani has been so disappointing one of the most disappointing players in europe i would say over the last few years uh at right back they have fabinho who's obviously transitioned into being one of the best midfield players in world football uh, in midfield gancalo quedes he has been a disappointment for me made the move to benfica too early went to valencia and has been inconsistent no, made the move to PSG from Benfica too early, then went to Valencia. Uh, Richly, Richly Bazour, he looked like an absolute stud. When he came through in the Ajax team, he looked like a monster in midfield. Uh, he's now an okay centre-back, but that's about it. Um, Berardi, I think he's lived up to the potential for sure. Um, I think he's been really, really good. 
Now, I love that he stays at Sassuolo. Um, maybe some people would knock him for that, but I, I like it. Uh, Yuri Tielemans has probably fallen short of where people thought he would be. He's a really good player, but he was expected to be KDB levels and he just hasn't quite gotten there, obviously. Uh, Dybala. I mean, injuries and having to play next to Cristiano for a few years definitely hampered him, but he's still a really good player. And the last one then is Breelan Bolo, who's just moved to Monaco. Uh, very talented, super quick, super powerful. When he came through at Basel, people were talking about it was the next Etu. Uh, he had a nasty ankle injury just after he joined, I want to say Schalke. And was it Schalke he went to? Let me just check that. Uh, I think he went to Schalke from Basel and had the horrible ankle, yeah, had the horrible ankle injury, <clears throat> made the move to Borussia Mönchengladbach, and he's done well there. Um, not a huge goal-scoring return, 25 and 106 games, 106 games. It's about one and just, just under one and four, uh, so not too bad, but still disappointing compared to what he was expected to be as a young player. Um that is that. Uh, BBC reporting that Jesse Lingard is close to joining Nottingham Forest. It does look like Ben Mee is on his way to Brentford. Southampton have agreed a deal for Bordeaux striker Seku Mara, 19-year-old, talented. They still need to get in a striker who can score them goals next season, but I, I do like their business. Um... Aaron Ramsey was left out of Juventus's preseason tour and a move that surprises nobody. Uh, Frank Lampard has warned Everton players that they might get relegated this season. Someone should tell him he's the manager. Everton's preseason has been a mess. We can chat about it tomorrow. Uh, Leeds will still entertain the fans, says Bamford. Just worry about staying up. And Juventus have completed the deal to sign Bremer from Torino. So we will run through the gossip and that will be us. Manchester United target Frankie de Jong does not want to leave Barcelona, but if he does move on, he would rather move to Bayern Munich or Chelsea because they've got Champions League football, obviously. Jules Conde is set to have a Chelsea medical. There's absolutely no basis for that. The Blues have also made Josco Gvardiol the number one target to replace Cesar Azpilicueta. See, this is, this is just stupidity. A left-footed, left-side centre-back is your target to replace a right-back. Um, so the, the point is the story is not true uh, Nottingham Forest are considering a move for Emmanuel Dennis I have doubts I don't think they want to spend that much money on another forward player uh, Manchester United remain interested in Anthony despite having a £51 million bid rejected United love to get rejected by players and then just keep on trucking along trying to sign them uh, Real Madrid do not have plans to bring Cristiano back to the club nobody wants it so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Leicester have rejected a £15 million bid from Monaco for Bubakari Samari because they want to recoup more of the £23 million. You know what they could just do? They could just keep him. The Foxes have to sell players before they can buy. So may consider offers for James Madison, Kelechi Hinacho and Timothy Castanier. They sell Madison, they're going to be in trouble anyway. Barcelona have identified Sergio Reguilon as an alternative left-back target if they cannot agree a deal for Marcus Antonio. This is nonsense. So if you can't sign a player for five million, you're going to sign someone that the club won 25, where Real Madrid also have a buyback on them. So yeah, utter, 
utter tripe. Brighton are considering a loan move for Nuno Tavares, doubt it. Uh, Brighton did turn down a, an opening bid for Cucurella that was way, way below what, what they're looking for. Uh, Nottingham Forest have offered Jesse Lingard a contract worth 200000 a week. It's outrageous money for such an average player. Brentford have held talks with Ben Mee. Uh, West Ham and Crystal Palace, Dwight McNeil. Newcastle have made a bit of about $18 million for Jack Harrison of Leeds. It's been turned down. West Ham, Everton, Napoli and Sevilla are considering a move for Adnan Yanazai. I have a tough time believing that. I think he might struggle to find any decent club that will want him. He has never really impressed. Uh, England midfielder Calvin Phillips said there was never a chance of him joining Manchester United, which is what I told everybody when United were linked with him. And that is it. That is me for today. I will hopefully see you tomorrow. But if not, it's because I have COVID. Uh, so, you know, we'll wait and see how that goes. Uh, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.